0: That that video just reminds me how much I love weddings. Don't you love weddings? Uh, Weddings are great. And uh, this seems to be the summer of weddings for me. Uh, I'm Steve Wallen. I'm our campus pastor for our Carmel campus, which is opening here in a couple months. Uh, I'm also the executive pastor here at Genesis Church, and and uh, I get my opportunity this summer to do to, to to officiate is my first wedding, and I'm excited about that. But at the same time, um, there's you go through periods in your life, don't you, where like you get out of high school or college, and all your friends are getting married, and then there's kind of a dry spell for a long time, and then as you get A little bit more advanced, you start to notice like your friend's kids getting married, right? And many of you know that um, before uh, Josh Tandy came on staff here as a student pastor, I was kind of a volunteer leader in our student ministry. And our first student ministry here at Genesis Church, our first high school ministry, when I took over uh, the high school ministry, had five students in it. Five students, a big ministry. And out of those five, three of them are getting married this year, which seems crazy to me. The three of them are getting married. And I have friends getting married and and all kinds of weddings this summer. And I I love weddings. But here's the thing. It seems to me that a lot of people will spend lots of time, hours and hours and weeks and weeks, planning for their wedding, but not much time at all planning to have a great marriage. Have you noticed that? And I think that's important. And that's, that's something that we want to talk about today. See, to have a great marriage, it doesn't just take a great wedding. You know, it takes lots of planning and lots of work, and it takes doing things day after day after day if you want it to be great. And so, we're starting a series today called The Vow, and uh, The Vow, no doubt, is about marriage. And we're going to look at four vows that we believe will change your marriage forever. Um, and as we go through this series, we're going to talk about some things that are um, maybe not appropriate for kids, that's up for you to decide, but I'll just tell you that over the next four weeks, we promise to have great children's programming, safe and secure place where you can drop your kid, oh wait, we have that every week. But anyway, just so you know, if you want to make that option, and today they're actually having a party and I don't see any kids in the room anyway, but we're going to talk about these four vows, and these four vows will change your marriage forever. And this is true if you're already married, or if you want to be married, or if you're not married right now, but you want to be again, and you want your marriage to be great. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. And right up at the top, I just wanted to give you, I thought, I want to give these guys uh, some piece of wisdom that they will take away and remember for the rest of the week. You know, something that you can use in your marriage, even right now. And it's this. I've been married almost 20 years. I've learned this. Men and women are different. Write that down. No, go ahead. I'll, I'll give you a minute. Men and women are different. This is a piece of, of information that it's taken me nearly 20 years uh, to figure out. Men and women are different, you know, and, and it starts, you sometimes think, well, it's because of how we're raised, but it starts at a very young age. My wife and I have girls. We have two girls. And um, so we had, uh, have most of our lives had a house full of girls' toys, Uh, but my wife is a great uh, servant-hearted lady, and she watches a lot of other kids, a lot of other people's kids, and so early on in our, uh, when we had, our kids were very young, uh, we would on a regular basis watch uh, this little boy, and and he never had anything to play with, and he never had anything to, we had dress-up clothes, and he never had anything to dress up with, and so, well, I mean, he did, but I don't want to talk about that, but so we decided that we would go out and buy some boys toys just to keep in a a toy box, and so we bought, um, I thought this was really cool, we bought this set of inflatable swords and shields so like you could blow these things up you know these uh, little inflatable and you could have a sword fight and we thought these would be really cool and so our two girls and their boy went upstairs and we got these out and we blew up these swords and blew up these shields and about five minutes later my daughter comes down the stairs and she's got one of the swords wrapped in a blanket and she's holding it like a baby and their boy is chasing her down the stairs with this inflatable sword (laughs) And I just think, how different are boys and girls? And a lot of women say, you know, I don't want my little boy to have toy guns because then he might grow up to be violent. And i got to tell you, boys are born with two toy guns on their fingers, okay? <laughs> boys are just different than girls. And, and it, it's true when they're little. And as they grow up and become men and women, it, becomes, it, it stays true. And that can cause a lot of stress in marriage. It can cause friction, can't it? I mean, it's beautiful, You know, it's beautiful. The Bible tells us how God created men and women in his image. He created us both different, but in his image. But we're so different that it can sometimes cause problems in marriage. And so why is it, most experts say, why is it 50% of all marriages end in divorce, divorce? One out of two, most experts say marriages will end in divorce. And look, I know there's a lot of talk right now about the sanctity of marriage. You know, there's, there's uh, many people would say probably that marriages fail because our culture is corrupt or, or that marriages fail because Hollywood is just a bad influence. And I know we've had a lot of talk in the media uh, the last few weeks, especially about gay marriage. And a lot of people probably think, well, that's just going to continue to erode the sanctity of marriage, the institution of marriage. And, and as a church at Genesis Church, we believe scripture clearly teaches that marriage is a sacred bond between one man and one woman. We believe that and we'll continue to teach that. At the same time, we don't want to be known as a church by what we're against. We want to be known by what we're for. And we are for marriages. We are for strong marriages. We're for your marriage. And, and we don't think any of those things are the reason why any one marriage succeeds or fails. And so that's what we want to talk about over the next four weeks. And besides, as Christians, the Bible tells us we're not supposed to conform to the culture anyway Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be so conformed to the culture that you fit in without thinking. You know, we're, so if, if if the culture says that gay marriage is okay, we're not supposed to conform to that. You know, if the culture says that divorce isn't a big deal, we're not supposed to conform to that. If, if the culture says that adultery is okay, we're not supposed to conform to that. We're supposed to be different. And think about this. Think about this. If we could get this one thing right, you know, if Christians could, if Christian marriages look different than every other marriage and culture, look better than every other marriage and culture, how much would the rest of society look to the church and say, man, what are they doing right? What is it about that Jesus? Uh, There must be something more to that. And so that's what we wanna focus on over the next four weeks is how do we make our marriages look so different that people are compelled to look at Jesus in other areas of their life? So if none of those things are why marriages fail, why do marriages fail then? I mean, it's obvious that we're different, but I believe... The truth is that we are not biblically equipped with God's foundational truths to build our marriages. We just don't have the the biblical knowledge, the the know how, the foundation that we need to make our marriage succeed, for the most part. I mean, think about it God created marriage, okay? Uh, He designed the darn thing, He, He knows how it works, and He even gave us an owner's manual, you know, to tell us how it works. Um, and in fact if you don't have a biblical plan for your marriage What you're saying in effect is that god may have designed it But he doesn't know my spouse You know because if he knew my wife he'd have put a crazy clause in there, you know Or or if he knew the guy that I married he would have given me an out Well, the truth is that god does know your spouse. In fact god made your spouse And you have never been And you will never be married to somebody that jesus wasn't willing to die for You know, God created your spouse. He created marriage. He's given us this owner's manual. And over the next four weeks, we're going to dig deep into two verses of scripture that talk about God's design for marriage. So I know there's a lot of people that want to go deep around here. We're going to spend four weeks on two verses. We're going to talk Hebrew. Uh, We're going to do lots of stuff, but mostly we're going to talk about marriage. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Genesis chapter two. We're going to go all the way back to the time of creation. You know, the Bible tells us that God created the heaven and the earth. And then God created the the night and the day and that God created the oceans and God created the land and God created animals and everything that God created, he said it was good. And then the Bible tells us in Genesis two, that, that God created man and it was not good. And ladies, it wasn't because the men were too much like pigs that he already created that God created man. And he said, there was one thing that was not good. He said, it was not good for man to be alone. You know, the first thing that he ever created, and he said it was not good, was that man was was alone. I mean, his shirts were always wrinkled. Uh, He couldn't find his car keys. Adam, you know, he'd always eat over the sink, you know. And so uh, God knew he had to do something different. He looked down and he said, that guy is never going to survive. I got to make him a companion. I got to make him a helper. And so God, the Bible tells us, caused Adam to go into a deep sleep. And he took a rib from his side and he made for her, for him, a partner. And Adam woke up, and he took one look at this creation, and he said, Whoa, man. And so that's how she got her name, Woman. And so standing across from him was this beautiful woman, and then the Bible tells us they were united, and then God said it was very good. And so here's here's what the Scripture says, and this is what we'll talk about over the next couple weeks. Genesis 2, starting with verse 24, it says, For this woman, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, this is what we're going to look for, look at over the next four weeks. And there's lots of great stuff in here. I mean, if you're a newlywed, you're going to learn a lot. If you've been married for a long time, I hope it's my hope that you'll still learn something. If you're not married right now, either you've never been married or you're not married right now, you'd like to be married again, uh, I still think you'll learn a lot to prepare your marriage uh, to be the best that it can be. Because listen, married people in the room will tell you this, I wish somebody would have told me this stuff before I was married. You know, we're going to talk about four vows uh, that we should make when we marry, but not just when we marry, four vows that we have to make every day. And we're going to talk about those. And the first one is this. It's the vow of priority. That's what today's message is about. The vow of priority. In our marriage, we must admit and we must live out the vow of priority. And the vow of priority says this. If I, commit, if I uh, give the vow of priority to my spouse, it says this. Next to Christ, you are my priority. You know, the verse 224 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh and that word leave there uh in hebrew that is the word azab azab say that with me azab 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 means loosen or relinquish now what this verse is saying is that before marriage your most important human relationship should be with your parents But after marriage, your priority changes so that your spouse is now your most important human relationship. This is what Scripture said. As soon as you're married, your spouse is your priority. You still honor your mother and father, but not above your spouse. In fact, there are two things that Scripture instructs us we should be willing to give up our lives for. Men, only two things that God says we should be willing to die for. And it's not our job, it's not our hobbies. It's not even our kids, even though most parents I know would willingly die for their kids, but Scripture tells us that we need to be willing to die for Christ and for our wives. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And we're called to do that. We're to give up our lives for our marriages. We should be willing to give up our very lives, which includes our physical lives, obviously, But I believe also includes our lifestyle, if that's what it takes to make our marriages successful. So here's the question. What goes wrong from he can do no wrong to we just don't get along anymore? Well, I think in order to understand that, we have to really understand how a relationship forms. And so your relationship may not look exactly like this. But here's how a lot of them go. You know, their eyes meet across a crowded room and, and he sees her and she sees him and she sees him seeing her and all her friends are gathered around and some of his friends are gathered around and they're poking him in the ribs with their elbow until he decides to walk across the room and say something. And as he does, his friend goes, come on, I'll go with you, I'll go with you. And so they get up together and start to walk and she sees him coming and so all her friends scatter. And then he turns around and looks, and his friend is nowhere to be found anymore because he's off playing pool or doing something. But he's already started across the room, and she's already seen him, and they've been exchanging flirtatious glances all night. And so he goes over, and he stumbles over his words, and his palms are sweating, and he's not sure what he said, but but he asks her out. And she says yes because he's kind of cute, and he's got little dimples, and, and, and she's not doing anything that weekend anyway. And so she says yes, and so they go out on a date, and they really hit it off. And they go out on another date, and they go out on another date, and sometimes they'll go out on dates, and they'll be together for like three or four hours, and then they'll go home and he'll call her, and they'll talk for another three or four hours, or maybe not even talk, but just sit on the phone and, and enjoy each other's company, and neither one of them wants to hang up, and it's like, you hang up, no, no, you hang up, I'm not going to hang up, you hang up, and and they, and they do that for hours, and she's all he'll ever talk about to the point where his friends don't even want to be around him anymore, because he's just going to talk about that girl, and, and he's all she ever thinks about, and, and she, he thinks she is beautiful and her sweaters are so soft and she smells so good and, and she can't believe how strong he is and man, he's smart and he smells, well, he smells okay because guys never get really better than okay and, and so they go out for a long time and then, and then one day uh, he works up the nerve to ask her the question and, and even though he's, they've been dating for a year and he knows her better than any of his best friends he's just sure she's going to say no um, but he gets the ring and he, he fumbles it onto the floor and he gets down on one knee and he, he looks up at her and he asks, will you marry me? At least that's what he wanted to ask, but he's so nervous he might have just asked if she had hairy knees. He's not really sure. And so, um, but, but she says yes. She says yes because she loves him and she can't imagine her life without him. And besides, she's already picked out everything else for the wedding anyway. And so he's just really the last piece to the puzzle and... And I mean, when she was 14, she knew what this wedding was going to look like. And she's just been waiting for the right guy. And so she says, yes. And they get married and it's a beautiful occasion, just like in our, our video. And they go to Cancun and they get sunburned and they have a great time. And then they come back home and then they start their lives. Uh, because they ain't got money, honey, but they got love, right? But they got to make some money. And so they go to their careers and they start working. And then a few months later, they find out she's pregnant. Ooh, wait, that wasn't on the radar, I don't think, or maybe it was, but no matter because they're overjoyed and they're ecstatic. And so are the soon-to-be grandparents, you know, and um, then nine months later, here comes this baby boy and he's perfect. He's seven pounds and four ounces and, and he's just a bundle of joy and he's got her eyes and he's got, his dimples, but he's also got all of her attention. And and he cries a lot and he takes a lot of work and and she's tired. I mean, a lot. She's tired. And she doesn't look like she did when they met anymore, but that's okay because neither does he uh, because he's been eating ice cream with a pregnant woman for nine months and sitting on the couch and so that'll do it to you. You just tend to put on a gut. Um, And what happened here? I mean, he used to be the man, but now there's a new man. There's a new little man. Uh, But that's okay because he finds other interests. I mean, all of a sudden, sports center becomes a lot more interesting. Uh, I mean, he still likes sex, but he just wants to see what's on cable first. And, you know, uh, she finds other things to do, and she feels very distant uh, because she's so busy trying to raise uh, this child, and she feels like he doesn't always understand how much work it is to run a household, and he doesn't get the affirmation he needs from her, and they grow apart, and the only things they ever do together revolve around the kids and one day one of them looks up and says whatever happened to what we used to have you know what happened to those days when we could talk for hours and not say anything you know where did that go let me tell you what happened the priority changed you know priorities leave the relationship and go to other interests they go to the kids to the friends to the house to hobbies. But the vow of priority tells your spouse that next to Christ, you are my priority. Now, there's two things I think we need to think about and talk about when we talk about the vow of priority. And these are in your notes if you want to follow along. They're these. First is this. The things that destroy many marriages are good things, not bad things. Now, you can argue this. I mean, you may have been in a failed failed marriage. And if not, you've probably seen one up pretty close. And you think, well, he just chased every skirt around and he had an affair and that's not a good thing. Or, you know, she had the spiritual gift of nag. Or, or she spent all the money and ran up credit card bills. And that's not a good thing. Um, and that's what caused the split. But I would argue, and many times I would win, that there, that was not the problem. That that was a symptom of another problem. And the problem was that at some point, the priority in the marriage shifted from the marriage relationship to something else. And, and often the shift was to some other good thing. You know, the priority went to a career. i got to provide for my family. Or the priority went to the kids. Or the priority went to a fun hobby or, or to another group of friends. But here's the second thing, and this is in your notes too. The good things can become the enemy of the best things. And the best example I can think about for this is kids. I mean, kids are a blessing from God. The Bible tells us this. You know, we pour our lives into kids, and then they graduate, and they move away, and then they come back for a little while, but then they leave again, you know, and they move out for good. And one day, mom is across the table, and she looks at dad, and she says, who, who are you? You know, what happened? We have a marriage that had become a child-centered marriage, and it can last for a while. But what happens is the primary relationship, the marriage relationship, the, the one flesh relationship, which should have been the priority, becomes secondary to being parents. And let me tell you, parents, the greatest gift that we can give to our kids is to have a great marriage. You know, kids who grow up in households where the marriage is strong grow up on a solid foundation. You know, study after study shows that kids who grow up in a in a household with a strong marriage are are more feel more secure. They're braver. They're willing to try more things. Uh, and, and they're, uh, they, you know, when kids, when the, when the marriage is weak, is shaky, the whole foundation of the house is shaky and kids are scared and they spend a lot of time trying to get their footing. You know, the best thing you can do for your kids is a great marriage. Now, there are other things too. There are other good things that become the enemies of the best things. A career, a house, uh, your family of origin, where you came from. I mean, the, the verse says that you will leave your mother and father. And for many of you, husbands and wives, you you haven't left your parents yet. You, you still trust your parents more than you trust your spouse. Ladies, you'll listen to your mom more than you'll listen to your husband because she gets you. You know, she she wants to hear about your feelings. Well, of course she does because, breaking news, she's a woman, she likes to talk about feelings, okay? Your husband may not, but that doesn't mean he doesn't love you or care about you Your husbands. Your wife doesn't cook like your mom or clean up after you like your mom or, or give you babsies, you know, or wipe your bottom, you know. It's time to grow up. You know, the Bible says you will leave your mother and father azab. You will relinquish. You will loosen from your mother and father and, and be united with your wife. And some of you have been married for a long time and you still haven't left. You know, spiritually, you haven't left your mother and father. It's time. The marriage relationship is the priority relationship and it could be a good thing the relationship with your parents is becoming an enemy of the best things. You know, my wife and I married almost 20 years ago, as I said, and, and we decided at the very beginning of our marriage, and I don't know how God put this in us because we were not believers at the time, but we knew that our marriage should be the priority. We've always said that. Um, But I'm going to tell you a personal story. I'm going to get pretty vulnerable here for a minute, and some of you have probably heard this. Uh, There was a time in our marriage where I was running around like crazy. Uh, We had decided to build a new house, and so we were trying to uh, sell a house, and you probably know what comes with that. Uh, We had 20-some showings over six months of trying to sell this house, and then we were building a house, and we decided that we could save a lot of money if we were the general contractor. Um, But at the same time, I was traveling a lot for work. I was trying to build a business and and trying to build a new brand. And so I was on the road a lot. In fact, uh, one year, I remember, uh, out of the first 26 weeks, the first half of the year, I was on the road 23 weeks. And we had um, two preschoolers, two girls that were preschoolers. And so my wife was trying to um, take one of our preschoolers to to preschool and keep the house that we were trying to sell clean and make all the decisions uh, on building a house. And at the same time, I was gone most of the time for work. And um, one... That six-month stretch, I was out of town for uh, my wife's birthday, my older daughter's birthday, Valentine's Day, which is the day we got engaged, um, my birthday, and our wedding anniversary. I was very popular in my house at that time. Now... Here's what, here's what changed it for me. I remember come, very distinctly, um, I was coming home on a Thursday and my plane was delayed so I didn't get home until about 10.30. I got home on Thursday night and my kids were asleep and I knew I had a Friday morning meeting that I had to be there for and so I, I got in, I kissed my kids goodnight, they didn't get to see me on Thursday night. I woke up on Friday morning, I was at work before they got up and um, uh, my wife called me while I was at work and she said, uh, Audrey, my younger daughter came in and said, uh, where's daddy? And my wife said well he, he's at work honey and she said no no and she brought a map and she said show me where he is and she had a map of the united states that she wanted my my wife to point to and and i knew at that time that i had to make some changes now if if you had asked me through that whole period of my life was my wife my priority i would have said yes absolutely my words would have said yes but if you'd looked at my life it was telling a different story in fact, I would say that you can tell a person's priorities by looking at two pieces of evidence and two only. Their checkbook and their calendar. You know, where you spend your money and where you spend your time tell us all we need to know about your priorities. And at the time, I would have told you I was, what I was doing, I was doing for the good of my family uh, because that's what I believed. But I'm telling you that it took a real toll on my family. And the very fact that I'm alive today is proof of God's grace working in my life because I should not be. Now let me be clear. There are going to be seasons where you need to sacrifice. You know, there'll be periods of time where you need to focus on something else to get through school or a really busy time at work or, or stress in a friend's marriage that you're helping out with or, or taking care of an aging parent. But it has to be only for a short period of time. Because if you lose sight of the priority relationship, if you take your eyes off your marriage, your marriage will lose ground to the enemy. You know, if you're here today and you're not married, you might be tempted to file away this sermon uh, and, and say, I'll bring that back out when I get married. But even now, when you're not married, you may already be making something else your priority. Because listen, if you're having sex with your boyfriend... Your priority is not on your future spouse; it's on that relationship you're in right now. You're already becoming one flesh with somebody else. You know you need to stop that and make your future spouse your priority relationship. Guys, same thing. If you're messing around, if you're going out drinking every weekend, if you're staying out late and carousing, if it interferes with your life and the way you carry on your life, you're making that a priority instead of your future wife. Now, what if you're here and it's too late for your marriage? I mean, you're already divorced. Well, you can still bless your kids through that relationship. You know, what if you and your ex could actually decide to just get along? You know, what if you made it a priority uh, that you, to be civil to your ex-spouse and so that your kids can see that mom and dad can still get along even when they don't love each other? What kind of impact could that have on your kids' lives? Or if you're already remarried, what if your priority relationship with your new spouse included his kids or her kids from a previous marriage? You know, what, what would that, how would that build your relationship? How would that make your, tell your spouse that they're your priority? What, would, what impact would that have on their kids to know that they have two parents in that house that love them? I mean, think about that. What kind of message does that send to the kids? You know, if you take your eyes off your marriage, you'll lose ground to the enemy. The marriage relationship is the primary relationship, and sometimes even things that seem innocent can get in the way of that. So here's what I'd like us to do. Take a minute and ask yourself, what are the things that can distract me from my priority relationship? You know, what is it in your life? I can tell you, for me, it's this it's my iPhone. I love you. (laughs) It's easy for me to be sitting at the dinner table engaged with my family. You know, our family makes it a priority to eat dinner together every night if we can. If we're all there, we eat dinner together every night. But it's easy for me to be sitting at the dinner table and feel this thing vibrate and go, oh, I've got a text message. Okay, I'll just check that. And then, um, oh, maybe I'll just check Facebook while I've got my phone out and Twitter. And uh, then, oh, look, I've got a Words with Friends game. I've got to make a move on. And all of a sudden, I'm completely disengaged from anything that's going on at the table. You know, I, I'm there physically, physically, But that's clearly not my priority relationship. What has my priority attention is whoever is on the other end of this device. Now, knowing this, and knowing that the biblical direction for our marriage is after Christ, you, the spouse, will be my priority. How do we live this out? You know, how do we carry out the vow of priority? And there are two thoughts, and these are in your notes too. Number one is this I will practice the priority. I will practice the priority. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you say, your priorities are shown by what we practice. You know, Luke six forty nine says this, But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. You know, if, if you hear the word of God, this verse says, and don't apply it to your life, you're building on a shaking foundation. And in the same way, if you hear the word of God and don't apply it to your marriage, you're building your relationship on a shaky foundation. You know, uh, and so you're risking the future of that relationship. So, how do we practice the priority? How do we show our spouse that they're first? Let me give you an example. I come home from work at night, and uh, the first greeting I always get is from who? the dog right the dog uh, smells me coming up the driveway and runs down the stairs and comes up and wants to lick me and then soon after that i get two kids running down the stairs dad's home dad's home and deed they call me deed sometimes deed deed you're home dead and they want to kiss and, and i'm like no no the first kiss is for mom that's how we show our priority relationship first kiss is for mom and so i've got a, a dog trying to jump up on me i got two kids i'm dragging down the hall I'm like the first kiss is for mommy the first kiss is for mommy also, mom's the only one that gets the tongue. Now, I don't know how you guys roll in your house. But in my house, that's how we show priority. In a culture where marriages are falling, around, falling down all around us, it's important to show your kids uh, who's got the priority in your house. Now, I did something dangerous when I was preparing for this message. I, I asked my wife, I said, Do you feel like I'm your, you're my priority? This may be a dangerous question for you to ask if you're married, but I, I wanted to ask this. I asked her, you know, ask your wife, ask your husband, do you feel like you're my priority? It's a tough question. And you know what she said? Usually. <laughs> now, I know some of the times she's talking about are times like this story I told you a couple minutes ago where I was gone all the time. And she said, but she said, she said, now, almost all the time, I feel like I'm your priority. You know, it's a tough question Though Understands that sometimes, though, the pain needs to come before the healing will come. You know, our tendency sometimes is to look at our marriages and see things that aren't going right and to to blame our spouse, you know, to look at their faults and start throwing stones. But don't do that. Look at yourself. Because I got to tell you, you can only change you. So ask this question. What is important for me to practice the priority? Now, for you, maybe, uh, you know, for us, I know it's being in a connection group. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on staff here at the church. We've been a connection group for nine years and it's been important for us and our spiritual growth to be in a group with other like-minded couples who are going around studying the Bible together, talking about our marriages, uh, being together. We do projects together, my wife and I. And we've built some things together. We've, we've done stuff around the house, uh, spending quality time. Uh, you know, one of the things I love is just a chance to, to get out with my wife on a regular basis without the kids. But decide whatever it is for you. Decide what's important to you and then practice it. You know, live with it. Practice the priority. And so number one is practice the priority. Number two is this. I will protect the priority. Protect the priority. John 10.10 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, and this is Jesus speaking, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, the thief, the enemy, Satan, wants to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to steal your joy He wants to kill your intimacy. He wants to destroy your marriage. When God created man and woman and put them together and said that it was very good that they were together and he put them down in a garden, who was the first one to try to separate them? The serpent, right? The devil, the enemy. And if you don't protect the priority, nobody else will. You know, if there's a breach in the fence, you need to repair it immediately. You know, otherwise something else or someone else will come along and become the priority for your spouse. So ask yourself this question. How will we protect the priority? You know, how am I going to keep my marriage from coming in second place? I've got a couple ideas for you. One is this. Have a date night. You know, go, go out, just you and your spouse. No kids, no other couples, no parents. And, and, and I know some people are thinking, well, we can't afford to have a date night. We can't afford to hire a babysitter and, and, and go out to dinner. Well, don't do that. You know, find another couple that needs to do the same thing and swap kids for a night. You know, you take theirs one night and the next weekend they take yours or, or go to the park for a picnic. I mean, you're going to eat anyway. So take your food with you, go to the park or, or go to a bookstore and just each of you pick up something to read and hang out together and, and talk about what you're reading, you know. Uh, second thing is this, besides date night, limit kids' activities. You know, I'm a firm believer that kids need to be involved in sports or activities and things like that, but, but how many? I mean, seriously, uh, we have told our kids that, that they can be in one thing at a time. Now, that may not be right for you, and that's not what I'm saying, but the key is to limit the things that kids are involved in because otherwise, you can spend your whole life, you already know this, being a taxi driver for your kids, uh, and that becomes a priority instead of your marriage. Uh, you'll have to say no to some things. You know, if you're, uh, in a job where it requires that you go out to eat and have dinners with clients, you may have to say no to some of those. Uh, if you have friends that throw a lot of parties and jewelry parties and and pamper chef parties and things like that, you may have to say no to those. And I know they 're good things, but they can become the enemy of the best things and The final one is this: build fences around your relationships with especially with the opposite sex. I mean you may have a friend that you need to not be a friend with because They're blaming your spouse for some things that aren't their aren't their fault. If you're if you have a friend of the opposite sex, here's what uh, you know. I recommend this is what we do. This doesn't make it right, but uh, we always say no meals together, no meals me alone with another woman, no meals my wife alone with another man. I, I know you go that sounds petty. I trust my spouse. I trust my spouse too, but you know what? I don't trust everybody. And so we just do that. You know, driving in the same car alone by yourself always has to be a third person. Just things like that. Build fences around those relationships, it's so important. You need to protect the priority. And if your marriage is in trouble now, you have to do whatever you have to do to get it fixed. I mean, if it's financial trouble uh, that's causing problems in your marriage, you have to do something about that. You know, sell some stuff, pay off some debt, you know, get a second job for a season. You know, do what it takes to get out of the trouble that's taking a toll on your marriage if it's another relationship, a friend like I said, you may have to end that friendship uh, ladies, if you've got a, uh, another woman that's speaking into your life and telling you that your husband's the problem and you're not always seeing it, but sometimes you're starting to believe what she says, you may have to end that friendship or at least stop that communication for a while You know, guys, same thing, if your friends are always pulling you away from your family at night uh, taking you out to bars or to do something else or to have another hobby, you, got, you might have to tell them no Uh, You're going to offend somebody. But it's better to offend a friend than to offend your spouse. You know, you have to protect the priority. Nobody else is going to do it. You know, God created marriage, the Bible tells us, to give us an earthly example of Jesus' relationship with the church. And you think about that relationship. Who's the crazy one in that relationship, huh? But the reason that God gave you an imperfect spouse was to show you how hard it is for him to love you sometimes. You know, how hard it is for him to love his church. The vow of priority says that after Christ, you are my priority. And we've been talking all morning about the you are my priority part, but what we haven't really said was after Christ. That that marriage is the primary human relationship. But the primary relationship in our life has to be with Jesus Christ, or else our marriage doesn't have much of a chance. You know, if. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you haven't accepted his position of leadership in your life, let me tell you, that could be the best thing that you could do for your marriage, either now or in the future. Because the only way, the only way to have a solid marriage the way God designed it is to put him at the center and let him lead your marriage. He came to earth to pay the price for your sin. Shouldn't you trust him with your marriage? Would you pray with me? Father God I thank you for marriage for this beautiful relationship that you created uh, for our pleasure and for your glory and uh, God I I just know that in a room this size there are a lot of marriages that um, are not working out like you've designed them and I just want to lift those up to you this morning God I pray for my brothers and sisters in the room who are just struggling with even the most you know seemingly minuscule things that are are bothering their marriage the the little rock in their shoe that's causing them discomfort in their marriage all the way up to god the the ones that are just barely hanging on i know there are marriages in this room that are are days or weeks away from ending and god i just pray i just lift them up to you this morning i pray that you would give the the people in those marriages a sense of urgency that you would help them to see that this is a great relationship that you designed for your glory and God, I pray for the ones in this room who aren't married right now. Uh, whether they're they're still single, they're young, they're growing up, or or they're they're single right now, they're not married now, and they want to be married again someday. God, I, I pray that you would uh, show them how to apply this message, that you would show them how to make their future spouse a priority. God, I pray that you would help them to put you at the center of their life, whether we're married or not. Would you come and be at the center of our life? And God, um, I just want to give people a chance this morning. If... If you're in this room and you've never accepted that that leadership of Jesus Christ in your life, if you've never made Him the Lord of your life, maybe today's your day. Maybe today's the day that you need to do that and, and start working on your relationships. If you're here um, with every eye, every eye closed, every head bowed, and, and you're in this room and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you want to do that this morning, would you just shoot your hand up in the air right now? I just want to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray this prayer with me, God. I need you in my life. I admit that I've made some mistakes and I can't continue to do this by myself. So would you come in and be the Lord of my life? I want you to guide me and lead me, Jesus. God, thank you for these commitments this morning. Thank you for these prayers. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.